0: Welcome to RGM, are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Ho, ho, ho. Ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas. Here we are, the big day. Uh, I don't imagine anybody listening to the podcast today on Christmas Day. It's one of those days, isn't it? When everybody's got a lot on. I hope you're sat around the fire, drinking booze at an unearthly hour, even nine a.m. That's what that's what Christmas is all about. Have you tucked into the chocolate yet? Have you got everything you've dreamed of as a present? Are the kids all right? Have they got a happy face? Uh, are, are they happy with the uh, uh, with all the crap that you've bought them that they're only going to play with for five minutes? I wish you a merry, merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart here at RGM. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a bit of a special episode. I've been talking about it over the last few weeks. Uh, And because we we actually land, uh, this podcast goes out on Mondays, and Mondays, uh, Christmas Day and New Year's Day this year, so uh, some festive fun for you today, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to look back over 2024 in this episode. Uh, and I've been looking into all the interviews that we've done and it's it's, it's really nice to look back and uh, just remember, you know, all the good chats and, and what we've accomplished at the, on, on you know, doing this podcast. It's, it's a major achievement doing uh, a weekly episode or something. It's, it's a lot of hard work and uh, I've kind of like appeased myself. By, I mean, it looks worth... <laughs> looking back on it all, it's been worthwhile. Uh, and thank you as always to you all that are listening to the podcast. We've been delving into the grassroots music industry and beyond all year, uh, speaking to people within the industry that have got an amazing story to tell about their story. So here we are. So what we're going to do then, ladies and gentlemen, all right, is I'm going to introduce you to what's coming up next. So we've got. Uh, I've picked up some highlights to cover with you, all right. Uh, and on today's episode, we've got, we've got an amazing clip from Tommy Smith talking about you know, Elton John gave him a phone call. We've got Ryan Downer, breakthrough winning at the uh, winning award at the Scottish Breakthrough Awards. Amazing story. Uh, we've got the boy Andrew Cushing. Uh, we've got a story about how he were uh, ended up at, at premiere having a few too many beers. It's always fun. We've got the amazing Chaz Jankel on as well, uh, and his story about Ian Jory and getting headbutted on stage and having a big fight backstage. That's an amazing story coming your way. Miles Hunt, probably my. Uh, biggest fanboy moment of the last year as a massive wonder stuff all the way through my life it was difficult to rein in and not be too personal about one of your musical heroes but we've got a look, look back with my old son looking back over 30 years you know of a Besscott festival uh, and when he fell asleep being interviewed by Elastica on MTV that's a funny story that's coming up we've got my unofficial mentor Neil Argreaves that's always there so to give me honest uh, Critique and tell me what I'm doing right or wrong. I ask for it, um, and you've got to have people like that in your life. And Neil was a part of the show, um, and he talks us through, you know, his experience as a band manager and beyond, and what he's been up to. Ah, the more, as you gentlemen. What an episode this is going to be. Uh, we've also got Joe Cornell from uh, Melbourne. It's an amazing. It's amazing to see that there uh, doing one more big down at, uh, in Sheffield. Good to see Melbourne still going. Uh, talking about the calm before the storm, before the monkeys and their band all kicked off. Uh, a great story coming your way for the podcast. And we finished the episode with the boys, the Mercians. Uh, had a very good time with them at Tramlines Festival this year. Got to know them, really nice lads. And they give us uh, their observations of the music scene, how they progress as a band, and how much fun they're having on tour and uh, doing what they do. So, whew. A lot on this episode, very enjoyable. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, whenever you're listening to this, um, we really appreciate your support over to 2024. Big plans ahead for the new year to keep this thing going and to, um, you know, get you some really interesting people uh, to soothe your ears, whether you're at the gym, whether you're at the uh, uh, work, get the car, going to work, whatever you're doing. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and we wish you a Merry Christmas. So let's look back over 2024. Let's take it away. And we're going to start with Tommy Smith.
1: When we were in two miles, with Miles Kate, um, it was a day off in Manchester and I got an email through in the morning that said, um, hi, Elton John has um, asked you to come along to his Hyde Park gig in, in London. Yeah. Um, um and I was like, Oh, that's amazing, that's great. He's asked us to come and watch, that's brilliant.
2: <laughs> right, and then we dad
1: then my dad rings us like ten minutes later and he goes, Have you seen this email? Let's come through. Yeah. I went, Yeah, yeah, Elton John's asked us to, to come to his high party. He went, You're not asked You should asked come and watch you ask a bloody play, Tom. <laughs> um I was like, and I read it over again, and it, and it did say that. And I was like, I was with all the band at the time, and we just went absolutely mad, like <laughs> we went absolutely wild. Um, and then like ten minutes later, we then got an offer to play to Open Leeds Festival. Um, wow. so it, like it was pretty wild, half an hour. But um, he
0: FaceTimed you. then? He, have you have you got yeah, his, yes. Have you got his number on your phone still?
1: Um, it's like a sort of his producer's iCloud. Right. Fair so enough. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, but we had a we had like a FaceTime chat. Um. So just talk.
0: To, I'm very excited about this. Uh, this yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so imagine so it's, getting your phone and just seeing FaceTime as it, and then just seeing fucking Elton John. <laughs> oh, to to it was it. wild.
1: It was wild. <laughs> but then um, he, um, so basically, it was supposed to happen the day before that it happened. Yeah. Um, but his um, pretty normal things that happen in life. His um, yacht was stranded, oh. and he didn't have he didn't have any single signal. Oh. So his yacht, outside. I think he was just outside of Nice. And um, we didn't have a, a signal, so we had a um you know, it's happened before to me, so yeah. you know, I can't blame him. <laughs> but he's, um, yeah, had to. We changed it to the next day, but I remember him opening up the call and goes, "Hello, Tom, how are you?" I'm um, so excited to chat, and he, you know, he's he's there with his tinted red glasses, yeah. and you know, literally. I mean, he was in his full Elton John getup as well, nice. um, and so he, um he knew everything about me, what I had coming up, all my singles I've put out so far, wow. um, everything I'd done, the gigs I'd done recently. And I was just, uh, the um, the interview you can find out on uh, Apple Music. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you can just see that I'm just like in this total disbelief. <laughs> anything is going on. I just look, yeah. I'm like stuttering out. I, I don't know what to say because yeah. um, Elton John's in front of us. Um, but then I met him at Hyde Park in London, um, which was a great day out, you know, um. It was an amazing time, you know. I've still got my, I've got this big plaque on my bedroom wall that says "Tommy Smith, British Summertime Concert, Hyde Park, Elton John," and um, you know, which is like me pride possession. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great day out, and the gig was amazing. I managed to meet him, and um, I went in with alongside Thomas Eden Um and we, um, we met him, and I remember the time because um, we all had to wear face masks and all that because you know he's. He's, a, he's an old fella and he's got a, he's got a big tour to do. Okay. He doesn't want to be catching anything. Yeah. Um, it's fair enough. But he didn't recognize who I was underneath him. Um, mm. So I was sat directly next to him, like <laughs> literally on the couch next to him. But for like 20 minutes, he kept on. Every 10 minutes, he'd go, It's Tom Smith here. I want, I want to meet Tom. I want to meet Tom. <laughs> um, and I, I went, Yeah, I'm here. Hello. Um, and he went, Oh, yes, hello. <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, he'd say it again. Yeah. Uh, and then I pulled me master and said, oh, I am here." And he and he was like, um, "We got a picture and all that." And um, wow. yeah, I mean, what a what a smashing down to earth person he is! Like, he clearly loves his new music. Yeah, introduced yeah. us to his kids and everything like that. Nah. Um, yeah, he, he, like he loves his new music, um, and you can tell he's just someone who you know respects songwriters and yeah. is clearly a love. Of music. Um, so, yeah, what, what a massive occasion and day that was for us.
0: Oh, well done, mate. What kind of influence has Miles Kane had on you then? Um, no, massive. It's been amazing. Not just from, you know, like
1: being able to sit down and write with him. Um, that was the first time I'd actually wrote with somebody, you know, so I was, I was really nervous to do it uh, yeah. because, especially let alone someone like Miles Kane. Um, but he was like so. And he understood that it was completely, well, he made it completely like my thing. And I already had a song that I'd been playing on his tour um, called Me, where basically the chorus was just, I shouted loads of nasty things to myself about myself, which is the pre-chorus to like you do. Um, And he was so, you know, like, he really understood that, you know, but we went in there to write together and, you know, it was such a great enjoyable day and um, and obviously I'm so happy with the song that we came out with you know it's a um, definitely one of my favourite releases and um, you know getting to play that on um, live on Sotter AM with him as well yeah. you know because it was just like uh, we got asked to do it without Miles and um, but I, I sent him a text and said look we i um, have been asked to do Sotter AM this weekend um, if you're free and if you're in London you're more than welcome t- to come down I'd love it if you could come down and and, and join us on our song. Inviting, and, uh, inviting he's like, Miles, yeah, yeah. down
0: and stuff. Love it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's like, oh yeah, absolutely, that'll be amazing. That'll be great. And um, but no, he's such a he's such a top yeah. a top guy. And um, so like, obviously, people at Soccer AM were, were clearly buzzing to have him there. And um, and like, there's do you know how there's like little skits that happen in Soccer AM yeah. and things like that. And um, but like on the original script, it said Miles was doing them. And um, but he got to, he got taken to his dressing room and he scribbled them out and put my name on so i ended up doing all the skits and everything like that and so he's clearly like it's amazing that the support he's he's given us he's um he's been brilliant and um obviously the tour at the time was a massive part for me just watching how he performs as a front man and was like you know massive for me seeing you know him putting the guitar down and just you know having such swagger on stage and so yeah he's um no being dead supportive and a, a real massive part um, of my musical journey over the last year i suppose um but no wow. and i hope to keep working with them down the line as wow. well um i have done a bit more work in the studio with them and happy with what loving what we've got as well um, but hopefully a bit more as well and yeah he's um it's, it's been great
0: An, an award, then. So, how, how did you find out about you know you won breakthrough artist uh, at the uh, Scottish Music Awards? How how did you find out about it?
3: Personally? So my my um, manager phoned me to say you've been nominated for um, breakthrough artist um, of the year at the Scottish Music Awards. Well, was on then, the list then. Um, do you know? I don't. I don't actually. I don't actually know. I don't fully know how it works. When yeah, okay. I get nominated, I, I'm someone that's quite, um, even though I've got my blinkers on with my music, I'm still quite bad for comparing myself to other people and things like that, So, um, and overthinking as well. So when I found out, I, I didn't really ask any questions, to oh, okay. be honest. Yeah, um, I kind of I thought, I'll switch off from it and hope for the best but i'm going to get in work mode and just make sure i put on the best performance in my life at the at the awards and i didn't want to think about kind of who else was was yeah who i was up against i guess um because i want it's that way i want the best for myself i want the best for other people um but i don't want to i, I don't know i just didn't want to give myself any reason to be harsh on myself or mm-hmm. overthink what I'm doing right or what I'm doing wrong, so I just kind of accepted the nomination. Yeah. Was like, yes, I'm absolutely buzzing, um just to be even nominated, and then yeah, got my head, my head set into work mode. Got to the awards, um, sat at my table patiently waiting, and then they they announced my name. Did you
0: did you uh, <laughs> arrange a speech before, like they said, you know, like at Oscars and that? When people say, I have not arranged a speech. Did you arrange a speech before?
3: No. Okay. Um, I I mean,
0: honestly, to, honestly honestly okay fair
3: enough. I, I did try to you can ask everybody <laughs> I, was, I was like trying and i was just talking so much shit honestly <laughs> it was terrible so i just thought you know what i'll i'll just leave it i'll go up on stage um as long as i say thank you to um Terence light and nordolph robbins for mm. n- nominating me
0: then that's 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 it <laughs> i uh, my mum was a massive wet 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 fan and i think they had something to do with nordoff robbins when you when i were a kid i just i, I recognise it's a charity isn't it yeah it's
3: a music therapy
0: that's charity it. yeah i know i knew i knew, I, knew I knew the name from somewhere and it's from yeah. marty Pellow talking about it like in my childhood when my mum just used to uh, put vhs of a wet wet, wet. <laughs> i've just had a memory about nordoff robbins i've gone on a tangent i don't know where i'm going with that um, but yeah, it's a it's a nice music charity then.
3: Yeah, it's a, okay. it's an amazing cause actually. Yeah, amazing.
0: Have they helped you personally?
3: They haven't helped me personally. Um, I've not like actually dealt with them etc. Yeah, okay. Obviously the awards, but I've heard a lot about them over the years and just kind of kept up with what what they're doing really. Because um, they provide they provide so much for the people in need and for. New music as well, which is amazing.
0: That's always good to hear. That's always good to hear. So, when they announced your name, then did you go a bit mental?
3: Yeah, so <laughs> I just basically had to go up on stage. I are waiting at the side of the the stage mm. um, to see what's happening, basically, because I was going to perform as well.
0: Oh, okay, right. So, what, what, with, all, with I, all the other people up for the award, you all stood together.
3: Um. No, I think they might have been at their tables. Okay. I, I was there because I was going up to perform oh, after, okay, the, so thinking, right. after the award. Oh, I so I was that. sitting, um, I had my in-ears in ready to go, my guitarist beside me. <laughs> 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 just, yeah, so when they shouted my name, it was like, oh my God. And then it was just like, <laughs> I went into a mode of like, get up on the stage and
0: don't fall, don't yes, fall. And <laughs> um, where do you keep the uh, the award now?
3: Um, it's in my bedroom it's on my on my nightstand right next to my bed so I see it when I wake up every morning
0: (laughs) you might need a bigger um space at one point in your life do you do you think that far ahead fingers crossed you do do not (laughs) you
3: well um why not yeah you you have to don't you you need to you need to you need to envision it um but yeah I guess I guess I'll make wee jokes here and there and I'll, I'll try to like put it out in the universe without sounding too big headed, but um, my my guitarist actually left his suit and um, in, in Liverpool when and didn't realise till we got to Glasgow. Oh, nice! Which was, um, yeah, that was a, that was a, a sad one for him. Um, it's, it's usually the drummer
0: I, or the bass player that does stuff like that. In my, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why that is.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel like. Um, drummers are quite punctual because they're very they're very okay. they, they hold us all together the rhythm yeah. section don't they I guess so so <laughs>
0: The, f- the first amazing. thing I saw was was the uh, the premiere in London that you were at. So, oh, it's fucking Andrew Cushing. He's on this uh, red carpet down here. Uh, what what was that like as a as a uh, as a Northern lad going down to Big Smoke in London uh, and just playing playing with all these celebrity people? What was that like? It
4: was it was quite odd, mate. I'll be honest. It was good <laughs> yeah. though. That fucking yeah. after party was amazing. I tell you, all the free drink, I was absolutely hammered. Well, that but is no, that that's, that's the
0: next question. All the all the gossip from yeah, that. As well, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> but no, it's great. Listen, that louis has been amazing with me. His okay. fans are ridiculously good. But him and his manager have been so supportive. Yeah. They've given Lee a lot of advice as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, 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 it goes without saying it. It's, it's not just me that sort of benefit from it. But such lovely people. Um, So, so grateful that they've allowed me to come on tour with them. Okay? So really, really looking forward to it. And his fans are amazing as well. But anyway, the red carpet. Yes. So obviously I'm fucking trying to kick the vapes in, right? As you okay. can probably read by the Twitter every Saturday when I kind of <laughs> breathe on a Sunday morning. And I thought it would be quite funny. In hindsight, I looked a bit of a dick because I was walking around the red carpet sitting smoking a vape. And it said, well, you got fucking, you know, proper celebrities coming on after you. And I'm walking around with a fucking health bar. And that cost us about £27 in the shop, fucking Leicester Square. Uh, but no, it was great. I decided to wear a bright green jacket so that everybody could see us. And it was good. It was really, really good. It was, it was my first red carpet. Um, yeah, it was insane. It, it's always funny when you do those gigs because... Um, Obviously, the, the fans are so, so good, right? And they're so vocal and so loud. So I remember when we'd done the Shepherds Bush gig, my uh, driver, Mark, he was putting all the water on the stage before we came out to support him. And he's like a fucking 50-year-old man, bald head and big beard and all that <laughs> kind of stuff, right? I'm fucking 32 Clem and he's <laughs> walked on the stage to put the bottles of water out and all these lashes are going <laughs> he's and he's came it. off as white as a ghost You right? you know, you, obviously whenever we do gigs usually he's just putting them out on the stage yeah. and there might be headlines or we'll be supporting them <laughs> no one's arse but that was the first time um that I'd ever experienced a, a set of fans go just as mad yeah. for the support act as as the would I mean not as the would, but you know, yeah. go as mad for the support act is, is the virtually would for the for the headline. It was insane. So I can't wait to get out there and play for those fans. It's gonna be
0: great. And what happened at the after show party then? I'm just gonna ask you again to see if you can <sighs> dodge it again. Yeah, I just got hammered. I, I just I like
4: really, really hammered. I distinctly remember being asked to leave, but I don't know who by. <laughs> okay. Um but it was great. I, yeah. I, I I had a had a brilliant time from what I can yeah. remember. Um don't know if I was Dancers there. I think I might have been dancing on a pole at one point. Okay. Fucking hell. Yeah, it was good though. It yeah, was good. Yeah, yeah, do you know, yeah, do, you like that? Yeah. Do, do you know, I, I, did, did you watch like the whole Alan Partridge thing? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you know when he's in his own head and he's pole dancing?
0: Yeah, when It was a little bit like that. Cones.
4: That's it, that's it. It was, yeah. a little bit like that, but it was me on the pole. <laughs> but it was great. It was great. Free drinks, in it. Let's, let, let,
0: let's just take a bit of silence and just think about that, everybody watching this video.
4: Yeah. Fucking hell. I said I'd be clears on
0: like. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> well, you mentioned, uh, just how passionate Louis fans are there. Um, I, I, I you know, you, you, you saw that firsthand when the Skinner brothers said that stupid thing about Louis online on Twitter and that kind of stuff. And you still see, you still see him like sticking up for Louis now, yeah, even now just, after I... all that bullshit. <laughs>
4: I, I I don't know what the thing is with that man. Did they do they just enjoy pissing people off? Do you think? You think that's
0: what it is? Because it's I, a fucking weird one. I'm a little bit disappointed with him, to be honest, because I've yeah. had, I've had him on the on the podcast before, and he, and he, and one of his things were, "Where's all the personalities in the industry? Where's all these people that have got a personality and then they're not afraid to like have a go at people and all this bullshit?" And then yeah. and then anybody that says anything to him, he just blocks them, or he blocks, or, he, you know, or he's, uh, yeah, and it, and it, I don't know, it, 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 the summer. It's, it doesn't feel natural, Like it, it feels like it's pantomime. It feels like it's bullshit.
4: Yeah, and I'm, I've am i met him before, and he seemed a nice lad, but you yeah. can have a personality without, you know, disrespecting people yeah. or pissing people off. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I've got a personality, but it's quite yeah. a bubbly one. It's one that you can sit in the bar and have a laugh with. Yeah. That kind of personality is not someone that I'd want to sit in a boozer with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sitting in this one's a cunt, and that's a He's an arsehole. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Anyway. yeah, Each to their own, I suppose. I each I suppose. to their own. We'll all be fucking blocked in the morning.
0: anyway. <laughs> well, well, fair enough. He's not blocked RGM yet. We we reviewed one of his EPs and uh, it, it didn't take kindly to it um mm. and then we reviewed it again uh, reviewed the next ep because they're quite prolific they are bringing a lot of music out then we reviewed yeah. it again and the reviewer loved it and he made no comment to it at all so I, i'm just yeah. confused by that boy that's that's, that's yeah that's it's my it's, it's it. an odd
4: one i mean fair them that they're, they're obviously putting the graft in as yeah you, they are as yeah. You say they're, yeah. they're releasing a lot of music and in the flip side of the whole asshole thing is um <laughs> You know they all band's name on a lot of people's mouths in this, so yeah. word does spread. Whether it spreads for the right reasons or wrong reasons. Hey, wait, I, be, I, I'm talking about them, so
0: so they're on. The well, that's radio, it. That's it. They? As, yeah,
4: it. as am I. So so whether you whether you're for it or against it, I'm yeah. against it. Yeah, but whether you're for it or against it, you you you're still talking about it, you. So yeah, any publicity is good publicity.
0: They say, they say, say, they say. So um, yeah. So you've got this amazing tour coming up with lower festivals all over the place. You've announced your biggest tour yet. You know you mentioned earlier you you nearly sold out the second night in Newcastle is it City Hall is yeah. it
4: is it City Hall there? mate it's amazing 2, 2, such an iconic
0: venue 2500 seats is that is amazing
4: yeah
0: like, it it's just you must cool. be so proud of just like you know the community around you in Newcastle and the British and you're like yeah just so so grateful. if somebody had
4: sat me down three four years ago and I was sat playing yeah. in at social club while the poker was going on <laughs> and said you know you're going to do nearly 5,000 tickets in, in, in three four years I, I wouldn't have really begun to get my head routed you yeah. know what I mean I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to everyone Um, just, people have just got behind this project and mm. I think one of the nicest things I've found is whether people are into the music or not into the music everybody's yeah. respecting what I'm doing which is which yeah. is a really big thing it's like I've had I've had people sat in the boozers with us and, and and they'll go listen son like I'm not gonna lie your your music's not for me but fair play here which is equally as nice because it's yeah. like. I think everybody in your castle just enjoys seeing someone from your castle doing well. Do you know yeah. what I mean? In in whether my music's their music or not, it's 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 just nice that they feel privileged that they've got someone from the yeah. northeast doing well and I'm gonna I'm gonna absolutely do my best. But if we can sell out the second night and that's five thousand people in that mm. that that's beginning where you get to a point where it's like, Well, oh, like nice. so what can we do here? Do you know what I mean? Can we begin to look at the arena in a few years oh, or nice. can we do something open air or do you, do you know what I mean? it's beginning to get pretty special.
0: Well, you know, like Just, from, lads from near me, Raytons. You mentioned them earlier. They're doing Sheffield Arena. They've built it yeah. up. They've built it up. It is possible. It, so of it's course, very of possible. Course, I man.
4: think so. One of the greatest things about them is is the whole sort like no 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 label thing in yeah. it. It's they've they've been an inspiration to so many bands. Yeah. Um. I I, I met I met the singer when they were doing a gig with the Libertines in Newcastle. Yeah. And I just remember standing at the side of the stage, drinking a bottle of whiskey with them. Absolutely hammered. But they're mm-hmm. all lovely guys. Yeah. I've spoken a couple of times on social media. They, they, they give me a little shout out, actually, when they've done the uh, Newcastle gig. I can't yeah. exactly remember what they were saying. I was hammered. But yeah, they give us a little shout. But they're nice guys. And it's like, yeah. again, it's, it's, it's a band that have put the graft in. Yeah that aren't arseholes, and they're reaping the benefits, do you know what I mean? And and, and and that's something that every up-and-coming musician should be taking, like, a bit of a leaf out of their books, you know?
0: There's a theme there, isn't there? Don't be an arsehole and be nice. How how was it in the band with Ian, um, just in general?
5: Well, Ian was a mixed blessing. Yeah. Genius. Um. He was ten years older than me. Hmm. I'm 71 now, so he would be 81 today if he was still on this planet. Yeah, yeah. (sighs) you know, he was. He was very different one on one. Very, very sweet. You know, Um, uh, I do, and I. You've asked me, so I'm going to be honest. Hmm. Um, If he'd had a drink, he could. He could get. He could get quite nasty. He mm. could do mm. not always. Um, but you know, he, 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 if he had a grudge or a gripe ab- about somebody, um, you know, he, he, he could be quite, um, could be a little bit hostile. Mm. Um, and he, I, I likened him to, actually to a gang boss. You know, he was <laughs> a bit like he, we were his gang. We were his mm. like, you know, um, yeah, he liked to crew you know, and he was the, but he was the, the boss. Yeah. Um, he he uh, had phenomenal energy and um, just loved life. He, he, Ian was essentially before he became a musician was was very good at art. And I don't know if you know about his artwork, mm. but he's had, um, you know, that he, he was very, very good. Peter Blake actually taught him and Ian used to teach art as well. And Ian once said to me one day, he said, When I realized I, I couldn't paint as well as Rembrandt, I'll never be as good <laughs> as Rembrandt. Um, I'm going to go will try music. And not only that, you can get more girls that way. Right, I mean, right. like, you know, he was, um, it was a laugh as well. He yeah. did like to have a laugh. Um, you know, he, was, he, he did see the funny side of life. He was extremely stoic. Mm. He never complained about his disability. Mm. And life back then, in the seventies was very difficult. Mm. Um, there wasn't the facilities for, for disability, getting in, you know, onto a stage could be a, just could be a nightmare, yeah. you know, if, if there weren't the steps or so, um. What,
0: what was it like, you know, you, what was it like for you to be part of that crew then? Did you feel part of the crew? Did, did you feel valued really? You know, it, it was it all about Ian sometimes. Was that a problem?
5: Uh, I know because the band's still working today yeah. and it's a lot smoother today. I mean, okay. to be honest, there, yeah. there isn't, there, there, you know, it, yeah. Because you can imagine when, you know, when there's a lot of drugs and a lot of drink involved, yeah. right. Um, it, it's it's unpredictable. Mm. And, and you probably know people yourself that when they've had a drink, it's like carte blanche, you know, like to, to, to say what they really feel about somebody, but then you have to remember that all well, that's been fueled by alcohol. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it wasn't as mature as it could have been at mm-hmm. times, yeah. but m- maybe maturity isn't always at the heart of great music anyway. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. it was a very creative period. Um, we were all a lot younger, I uh, had a lot more physical energy. Mm. Um, it, it, it was. Yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy at times. It was crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember one time. I don't know why. I just just a thought came up. You know, um, we were playing in Spain and we played we played in a huge gig in M- Madrid, and our next gig the no- next night was in Barcelona, and uh, it was just uh, just at the end of this gig in Barcelona, in, in, in Madrid, we were playing our, an encore. It was a song called uh, Francis, and I started it, and um, I didn't realise that the sax player had a little, bit, little thing to play on the front. I'd forgotten about that. Mm. And, um, and and I, I'm just playing the beginning of the song, and suddenly there's a hand on my head. I'm on stage in front of 3,000 people, and I turn around, it's Davey, our sax player, and he says... Mm. If you ever do that again, I'll kill you. And I went. I said, "Do what?" And he said, "Bring a song in before I'm ready." And he goes, "Bam!" And he headbutts me. Yeah. And wow. I went, "Whoa!" reading back. And um, and and he came for me. And I put my hand up. And 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 I I managed to get one in. And I, I got so he 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 headbutted me, and I and and I got him in the eye, right. And this is all going on, and the drummer he's like, Just keeps to- on playing, right. Pop the boy. guy, our our, our roadman, our roadie, is standing aside. He, he was looking at girls in the front, you know, like looking yeah. at some girl in the front of the audience, right? <laughs> he wasn't looking, right. So all this is going on. <laughs> Finally, somebody sees there's a big fight going on on the keyboard rostrum, right? And, and 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 he's alerted to it, and he gets hold of Davey and he chucks him off the stage, and yeah. you know, sends him into the dressing room. Ian comes over, you know. Um, you know, takes full advantage of the melodrama. And since the rest of the song with head bowed on the Hammond, you know, is this what life has come to? Yeah. And, um, and that was just, you know, when, when, when you're in, and, and, okay, so what happens next? I go into the dressing room and I think it's the law of the jungle at that point, mm-hmm. you know, our roadie who, 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 you know, who had a, a illustrious past, he said, go on Chez. the thing now is you go in just you and him They held the rest of the band back, and I went <laughs> in there in, into the dressing room where Davy was, and um Davy was apologetic, but you know he lost his rag, you know too much sun um which he uh, you know he was a you know he, he he'd lost his rag i mean we'd all been in uh, this little bubble and and you know and that was just one example of um how things could go nutty, yeah yeah well that, um, thanks
0: for sharing that with me i just enjoyed I always enjoy those type of rock and roll historic stories it's just I'm
5: I, I just, don't mean listen everything's all right with me and Davey now And but you know at, at the time you can imagine you, you, you don't yeah. feel it's, it's destabilising this yeah. it like that
0: <laughs> but you can laugh about it now I suppose yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, my first experience of the band was, you know, the, the big gigs that you had back in, in back in the nineties, so the Bescott Stadium, Phoenix Festival. Mm-hmm. You know, how 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 would you look back on those times now when you, you know, now thirty odd years have passed and you and, and you've got well, it's,
6: this. It's thing. funny now because both of those gi- uh, gigs that you mentioned, Phoenix and Bescott, of course, were filmed, mm. and so really my memory of them is affected by the fact that course the the moments themselves only lasted 90 minutes yeah. um and so my actual memories have completely faded I, yeah. it's it's quite weird if i see any of that footage you know people put those things up on social media and it's for me it's like looking at somebody else it, it's not oh. like i'm looking at me um and so i see them now from the perspective of having seen them filmed really i, I don't Really yeah. remembered much of them
0: at all. You know, like those big iconic stadiums have stuck with me throughout my life, and I can remember during the Phoenix Festival, you announced that this is going to be the Wonder Stuff's last ever gig back in 1994. At the time,
6: yeah, well, that wasn't our idea because okay. we knew we, we'd we split up. Yeah, um we split up in the middle of the construction for the Modern Idiot tour, mm. so the year before. Mm. Um, so we knew we were done, and um, and what we thought was the most sensible thing to do was not say. That our friends knew,
2: mm. uh,
6: and the record company knew, um, but you, you know we'd seen so many other bands split up and reform. We just thought we yeah. won't we won't announce it. But then the Phoenix Festival itself, the tickets weren't going that great, mm. and word had got around. So our agent knew, our managers knew, and so Vince Power, who was the promoter on Phoenix, um, he very politely asked, you know, look, this would really help the festival out if you announced it was your last show, we might sell some more tickets. And I I was very much in the, well, I really don't care. It doesn't matter. (laughs) So yeah, if that helps Vince, go ahead. (laughs) So that's really how it, it it didn't really come from the band and I'd stop caring at that point. I just wanted a different life. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, So, you know, just looking back over the times and everything and wondering, um, you know, what's ahead for you at that point is it feels like you're kind of at that kind of, place in your life now with music uh
6: yeah i suppose i am yeah for the second time i want to make some changes yeah um i think back then i i knew that oh I, I still wanted to pursue music in one form or another whether i would go mm. into production whether i would form another band uh, i sort of did both um but straight away after phoenix i'd been offered a job at um MTV Europe.
0: I was going to say, yeah, because you, you turned up on MTV with no hair and everybody's like, <laughs> yeah. double taken. Is that, is that really miles on? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It,
6: so I knew the people there quite well. Cause I lived yeah. around the corner from the office mm. and the studios and I'd been in that MTV Europe had been incredibly supportive on, particularly on the fourth wonder stuff album construction. Mm. So I seemed like I was in there all the time anyway. And Paul King, uh, he resigned from the 120 minutes job to go over to VH1 and catalina the producer who i'd sort of got a little bit friendly with she said would you be interested and at first it wasn't anything i was interested in but i was like okay i'll go for I sc- i won't get the job I'll, I'll, oh. I'll go for the screen test and and they offered it me like a few days later and i'm like ah oh, so, <laughs> so a real butterfly in the stomach moment <laughs> which i thought was healthy because i never i used to get anxious about going on stage with the wonder stuff i still do but i'm not nervous like i'm i'm not in fear that something is going to go wrong Mm. because i completely trusted in the other members of the band i thought i I always thought we were well rehearsed enough to have the audacity to go on stage (laughs) uh so i was never nervous but there was a certain anxiety that that would come with it um but once i started thinking am i really going to do this mtv job i actually got very, very nervous about it. And yeah. I thought, well, I think that's a good thing. I think that's good for me. Um, so, so let's plow ahead. So I did it. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, working with the people at MTV. Mm. I never, ever got comfortable in front of the camera. I, I was hoping I would, it, but I did it for over a year yeah. and I never did. I, I, that nervousness always stayed there. And once I'm in a nervous state of mind, I can't, I can't hold onto information. So if I'm, um, interviewing a, a band or an artist um, particularly if it's a band and an art if it's a band and an artist that I love mm. the information stays in there yeah. but if it's well in the case of point of things like an elastica and I, <laughs> I just you know I, I've got a terrible story about my elastica interview I fell asleep in <laughs> yeah. the interview Go on, let's re- kick
0: back it's- let's get into this one
6: Absolutely true. Poor Justine Frischman is (laughs) horrified. I mean, I was incredibly hungover (laughs) and I just had no interest in the band. There was nothing about them that I thought was remotely interesting. And and so she's answering one of my piss poor questions and I nodded off. So that wasn't good. Um, And I suppose I was always nervous of, you know, I'd been in a band, so I knew what a gang mentality was to deal Mm. with. And I was very much on my own. Um, so yeah I, ne- I never got I'm actually feeling quite jittery about even thinking about it but, oh, yeah. Um, so yeah I um, I was disappointed that I didn't take to it better they wanted me to stay yeah and they were pleased with me uh, but yeah I couldn't I, I just thought I can't live like this I'm a fucking nervous wreck all the time <laughs>
0: Uh, you've always supported what we did, and and, and you were kind of there right at the start when I was thinking about really going for it with RGM, and you gave me some advice at the past to, you know, ruffle a few feathers and you know don't be a boring magazine like like the like the market's quite saturated with. So that's kind of well, what we've, we, we well we we're still I don't think we're there as edgy as what I'd like to be because it's has its own challenges doing that, but um, I think we've 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 had a good go at it. I think.
7: Yeah, I agree with that. I think, um, so I've obviously watched your progress all over of, all of this yeah. time and stuff, and I think it's gone really well. I think ruffling the feathers is probably, uh, it's obviously in my nature naturally sometimes, yeah. but I think, what you've done, you've gone about it the right way. And I think you've done it with the right intentions and you've seen the backlash that you get.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you do, don't you? But, but yeah. it's fun in it, you know, like it, it cause, cause I, I've always, I've always said it and I've said it on this podcast. I live in the real world and conversations are there, real people are allowed to have to disagree with each other. Real people are allowed to, particularly in this music industry that we're in. You, where are the real conversations at the minute? Cause you know, um, let, let's just chat about when things go right, when things go wrong, when I've dropped a bollock, I I I've, I've mentioned it all the time on this podcast. Uh, you know, part of growing and creating something is dropping a bollock and learning from it as well, isn't it? So it's just like yeah. what do you do?
7: I think well there's a couple of things. One is that when you talk to people in the real world, yeah. they don't have the conversations that you would have uh if you interviewed him for a magazine, yeah. for example. Yeah. Uh, they just tell the truth, don't they? And just they yeah. say what they think, whether they like yeah. a band or not, or what, what they think of what they're wearing or what they're doing or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know just like gossipy bitchy stuff every now and again yeah. uh, or just opinions um, but that they will not necessarily express and i think uh the other one is kind of i think bands and artists learn more if you talk about um the stuff that goes wrong and the and the, the mm. pitfalls and things like that because yeah. they they can kind of keep an eye on what to avoid as well you know there's no point in painting that the music industry is like a rosy thing yeah. um uh, and that everything's like sweetness of light whenever you talk to people it's not because it's not true is it it's not real no. so uh, i'm i'm life in, honest life in yeah. either
0: is it you know it's you know yeah. it, it's a hard uh, to, to be a creative and to and to express yourself creatively these days that's a horrible phrase i think um i think
7: which phrase? what did you say
0: what did i say now? oh yeah, expressing yourself creatively sounds a bit yeah, filthy, so that's fair it. enough is That is that right? yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. It, it has its own challenges and you know it doesn't necessarily earn you money to be able to do it you know, full time, does it as well sometimes, which is annoying to some people and
7: me. I think a lot of bands and artists would be surprised about the level that you have to achieve before you do uh, manage to make any money out of it. Because I think, I think there's, you know, I've, I've known bands that have chartered bands that have uh, done national tours and even played in Europe and stuff that still have jobs, you know, and still shoveling money into the band. Mm. Um, So I think, um, there's there's kind of a lack of uh not reality or real information but there's a lack of like knowledge and information sometimes about what level you have to be at before it turns into a profit making thing because like one thing every musician will say to you is that they want to be able to do this for a living uh which is like that obviously that's the target that's the goal for a lot of musicians because that's what they want to do because they love making the music which is the important bit. Um, but to get there, wow! So a, that's a long road that is, and is, and you have to really do well to get to that point. You know,
0: what stage do you think you have to be at then before what's realistic? Like, what kind of level music uh, bands you see out there that have just reached that level of being able to maintain?
7: It's difficult to say because I think you you never know what a band's finances are like from the outside, dear. So, like when you're looking at bands that are, you see are playing. Big big shows and UK tours and traveling to Europe and got albums out and you know everything's looking great. They're still shoveling cash in and still heading to work nine o'clock tomorrow morning.
0: That's mad, isn't it? It's mad, isn't it? Yeah,
7: it is. Yeah, and I think what what would really help is if you could like I'm a tour manager, so I get to see all the. Uh, Everything to do with like touring. Um, I'm a band manager, so I see everything financials with bands. Yeah. It would be really interesting if there could be some kind of uh, website that just splatters on it, like the the financial breakdowns of how a band's doing on a tour and uh, on an album campaign, and just on a day to day basis. So that ba- so that bands up and coming still have that ambition to be able to make it for a living, but are still a little bit or are a little bit more aware of at what level you have to get to, and what you have to do to to make that kind of cash and that kind of money.
0: So I presume every band's obviously got their own deal, have not they? And and, yeah. and you never hear what a band deal is. So there, there must be that. There must be massive discrepancies in what bands get from certain record labels or throughout the yeah. whole industry. There, there, there won't be a yeah there won't be a chart that yeah. says at this stage you get this it's this stage you get this it's it's however no. greed, greed, it's as I, I suppose in a way it's how much can the record company get away with i suppose
7: but yeah, it's, it's well there's the i can't say too much but like I've been dealing with one very toxic relationship with a record label and yeah. like the financials are right mess mm. uh, and then another record label like a smaller one where it's like absolutely fantastic but they don't have the the oomph and the power to be able to, you know, uh, push the band out further. So swings and roundabouts. But I guess what I was trying to say is that, and one example of this is like with the merch fees, you know, that like when you go to, I don't know, 0 to academies or yeah. bigger, bigger shows and stuff, and they start wanting to take 25% plus that off your merch, yeah. off your merch sales. Um, when that was kind of discussed a while back, weren't it, online uh, a few weeks ago? And it kind of, a lot of bands were shocked that that was even a thing. Mm. But like, um, in reality, it does happen. It, happen. it happens in, you know, O2 academies. It happens in other big venues and it definitely happens out in Europe. Some, mm. some of the European ones, like the arenas especially, horrific, like mm. some really, really bad, stingy takes off your merch take and I think little things like that we're talking financials a lot here but it it does kind of matter and it is it, it, yeah. you know I'd like less bands to be shocked by it and more bands to be aware of it and more bands to be informed about it so you know they see the potential pitfalls even though it's like not relevant to them at that moment in time it's just a good eye opener and a bit of experience yeah. I, I did see
0: Live Nation have stopped doing that now they they used to do it and they've they've, they've announced that they are going to stop doing it
7: uh, I think well have because oh, I think that's like uh, from from what I read the headline was that which right, makes I them look fantastic great. and then I think the reality is they're doing it for three months. Oh, they're just testing it until they bring I think it so. Back. Oh, yeah,
0: because yeah. these people put their own people on the merch stand as well, don't they? So it's not yeah. you're probably yeah. not you're probably not getting the kind of the level of service that you want as a fan. You get no. you're getting some just random bloke that's just selling some t-shirts rather than. Uh, a member of the band because I know your son does a lot of the merch stuff for October Drift that you manage as well, doesn't he? And yeah, the, does, the, yeah, October Drift fans will get a different experience from someone that's part of the team than yeah. somebody that works for the venue as well
7: um yeah definitely so like if a fan comes up to the merch table like for example october drift where you mentioned mm-hmm. we have josh on merch who's obviously a massive fan as well yeah. uh, of the band uh knows all the ins and outs and stuff and wearing a t-shirt the, himself
0: just yeah, yeah, it, yeah he does yeah
7: wears it himself and then like fans will come up and they'll um they'll be chatting to him about how the tour's going what mm-hmm. the what the band's up to and he's able to answer every single question and yeah. fill him in a little bit more on you know a bit of stuff that's behind the scenes and what have you nothing sensitive just yeah. you know inside info that's fun um and so you're right like the a lot of people do spend time talking to josh on merch mm-hmm. uh, for that reason but like you, you got to then they'll probably buy
0: more because of it as well won't they
7: yeah yeah definitely yeah and, you, and he's able to explain the albums and stuff which albums mm-hmm. which like we have two albums on the merch table and stuff um so he's able to explain that to him as well and give him a bit of inside information you do make more sales and then you, on the flip side, you've got these other places that are taking the merch fees, putting these random geezers on that's selling your merch for you, yeah. uh, and taking twenty five percent plus VAT of your of your merch take. With you know, you have to yeah. pay for the merch, guys. It's, it's just mad madness.
8: Obviously, this is like the calm before the storm, isn't yeah. it? But it just felt like. There were loads of old people doing stuff, and that's coming. Yeah. That's because I was. That's because I was fourteen, fifteen. So yeah. everybody over the age of twenty-two <laughs> yeah. was old yeah. um, to me, <laughs> and and I I attribute a lot of that era's success to. Obviously, there's loads of respect now for these guys, yeah. and and mm-hmm. rightly so. But I I couldn't give a shit about Pulp when I was growing up. Yeah. I was like anti-Pulp. Yeah. I saw this bloke who I think, you know, I've now grown to realise is an incredible frontman, an yeah. incredible person and, and songwriter but i saw jarvis Cocker as what's he poncing around up there for <laughs> yeah. like, they're just like anti yeah. where I were from in the city what yeah. i did with the friends i surrounded myself with yeah. that. wrongly but mm. what it did do is it gave us a bit of a fire to mm-hmm. do something for ourselves yeah. and i think in the wake of the monkeys and the the new yorkshire thing and all those bands that came with it i think a lot of the younger bands have made the mistake of just trying to do what we did yeah um if i'm a new band coming from sheffield I, I i don't play guitar pretty much or i really change what we're about because you're never going to be able to recreate what happened you know between 2003 and 2006 in this uh, mm. it was incredible yeah. um so you've kind of got to do your own thing um so we i think we were trying to be anti pulp definitely anti def leopard definitely mm. not human league or yeah. heaven 17 or any of that yeah. um now i bloody love to do it yeah. um but I think that, that get that set us apart a bit and and made us made us feel young and different. Um, yeah, I think I've yeah. answered your question. Yeah, no, that, that's
0: great. And uh, yeah, just uh, you're just talking about what chefs are like around you. Um, perfect. The, yeah, uh, yeah. So it, yeah. it seemed to be like people in
8: bands were a lot older than us, mm. um, and they didn't we didn't feel like they represented us. And then fast forward eighteen months, and then the world turned on its head.
0: When was the first time that you started to realise that oh, we've got some traction here uh, as a band? And you start, you know, you you, you mentioned yourself, you, you whittle down the cover songs. Um, the crowds kept coming; it felt like you know you were doing your own stuff, and they weren't just here. Yeah. To, it weren't just family and friends coming to see you; there were more people coming to see you. How how did that feel as a band to start thinking? You know, there's there's something in it here. We've got we've got some a little bit of traction here. It's
8: starting. I'd say like to any aspiring artist or band. Mm. The first, the moment you get someone stood in front of you who you don't know mm. singing your song back to you, it's it's like, it's the start of the addiction for me mm. um, because that gave me a, r- a real, like, yeah. buzz. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't believe how something I'd been a part of had an effect on someone to sing those words because you think yeah. about it. You've got to either be, like, pretty drunk yeah. or really into something as a, I would say a Northern man to, to go and stand in a room and then, and, and give, give your heart to something. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. don't want to sound like a Luddite or a Neanderthal, but I think it's, there's some truth in that. Yeah. Like if I go and commit and, and sing my heart out to something, I've got, a, I've got to bloody love it or it's three in the morning. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that moment where someone, some stranger stood on this, this front row that I've never met. Yeah singing singing my words or our words back to us it that became a bit of a looking back a bit of a drug and i wanted to play in bigger rooms in front of more people and write some more songs
0: where was it there. that then was it like grapes Boardwalky type of place Which, it would
8: yeah. have been grapes and boardwalk yeah <laughs> they had the, they were the first haunts for everybody you um, was young enough to miss the upstairs room and the grapes you missed the trick there because yeah. We don't have we don't have those rooms anymore, I don't think. Um, well, I, I'm saying this um, venues across the city will be screaming at me, yeah. um, so that's probably false what I've just said. But I don't know. There was just something magical about the grapes. And obviously, it's nostalgia for me, and it's me looking back. But to have a boozer downstairs yeah. and a little room with a with a venue upstairs, and it's where Melbourne played the first gigs. It's where yeah. Monkeys played the first gigs. We did a couple of gigs together up there. Yeah. Um yeah just pretty special and obviously shout out to the boardwalk as well which was integral mm. to to bring in all these bands on that you that you now know
0: well i, I remember playing the grapes many times on a with ash the sound guy just yeah telling yeah, us yeah. that everything sounded wrong yeah he wasn't <laughs> a happy you, chap then, was he? <laughs> you were funny um yeah but, yeah, but he yeah, was you know, one of those guys uh,
3: and
8: you have it don't you you will have it in every music scene oh yeah he once went on tour with whatever you <laughs> yeah. know who supported yeah u two's dog or something i don't know <laughs> And and as as kids, you're like oh my god, he knows what he's doing. When in actual fact, yeah. did he? You know, none of us did, and that's fine.
9: I'm I'm I like watch the trade. Like no matter what I'm doing, I'm very much. I want to see what everybody else is doing. So I, I've got like, I've got a little Twitter account that's not got a name and stuff that no one will find. And I just watch <laughs> other bands and I want to see what magazines are doing. So I know everyone that's been on RGM. I know everyone that's been on this, blah, blah, blah. Oh, nice. So I, I'm a studier of like the game. I like to know what's going on in the industry. And I've been to so many shows now and we've also played with some of the most like prolific up and coming art- artists in the country yeah. recently. And I've not seen a guitarist like him. And I think people are going to start to realise that coming coming oh, over the next couple of wow. years he's wicked on the guitar like it's it's, is, it's insane so that would be what i'd say about joe and people will start to understand that you've got to come and see it live as well because it's not just the playing it's like the performance but yeah for 20 years old it's scary man he's uh he's a scary guy on the guitar
0: how big's your your pedal board
9: uh you, so i've i've actually oh it's in the van uh it's mediocre it's about that big uh-huh. but I'm upgrading. i <laughs> you are. The one thing the Mercy the one thing the Mercyians haven't got is money. Between the five yeah. of us is money, we're all broke. So okay. like I, I watched the Ks and stuff and ryan from the K's i one of my favorite bands at the minute the case ryan yeah. from the K's has like two yeah. stacked amps with a pedal board that's like i watched, the size of, I,
0: watched I watched that earlier on today he put he put a, a, a rundown of his uh his gear didn't it it's insane he, he did it earlier today I, I it's insane yeah, and he's then got, he's gonna, got these black he's got these square yeah, things insane. on each side I, 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 he was just saying stuff and i was like i don't know what that means but it sounds impressive
9: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah even i'm
7: like, I'm like eh, <laughs> That's say it
9: again. Again. i'll see something like that and i'll message joe and be like yeah like bro come on it!" we can do <laughs> a and he'll just go I- i've got no money i don't know how you expect me to do this so we we go with what we've got at the minute so if any uh <laughs> if, any, if any companies want to sponsor us the Mercians were, uh, yeah, were very much go. unsponsored at the minute we'll, so we'll take
0: anything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anything uh, so yeah so th- what kind of advice did you get from uh tom megan's band and everything because there's a lot of them in that band i noticed when i was watching him play there's, there's, a, there's a lot of them and they're, and they're all amazing musicians and to have his history with kasabian and you know just just you know having all that you know having the holy grail of having a, a, a career in the music industry has he given you any advice to move on with that? You know what I've always said, like being
9: a front man.
2: Yeah.
9: Like, I don't play. I don't play guitar or anything on stage. Being like a front man of a band, mm. I literally felt like I was on an apprenticeship for a month. Like I'd yeah. watch his set every night through, like backstage or whatever. Sometimes from the yeah. from the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched him, and I've just learned from him, and don't get me wrong he's he and his team were amazing, oh, and wow. you know they they really believe in what we're doing, and they you know they've said that we think you're gonna you're gonna do do really good things with like your mannerisms and yeah. stuff because it's yeah. not just about how you play on stage right it's yeah. about how you're approachable and stuff and we we tried to keep the best relationship with them, and they were all absolutely amazing, but although he said so many nice things, he didn't have to say anything, I could just watch him every night, and yeah. by the end of the tour. I was a different person on yeah. stage. Like I've become a completely different person on stage. Um, Cause he, d- he, d- he doesn't mess about, does he? He's,
0: he's proper jumping about and nearly falling on, off, nearly falling and just like risking it. and he's an jumping on speakers. Three. Yeah. And stuff. He's like yeah. full of, full of like <laughs> just energy.
9: Yeah. Mate, he's, he's unbelievable. He's one of the best, he's the best frontman I've ever witnessed oh, yeah. first, first hand, mm-hmm. you know, like you think of like great frontmans and you think of like Freddie Mercury's and stuff. And, when you think of like modern day, the last 20 years, you obviously got like your Liam Gallagher. I think Tom is right up there. Cause yeah. Sabian were absolutely one. Wow. And mm-hmm. he's just incredible. And you know what? He didn't need to be as nice as he was. And his team didn't need to be as nice right. as they were. We, we were just a support act. And we've heard nightmare stories of support act. They were the most like, just like the most welcoming yeah. people all the way from, yeah. from Tom, all the way to, to the light guy, to the, to the guy that yeah. does the, to the guy that, Brings in the delay with yeah. the, the yeah, sound, yeah. like all of their are meticulously like yeah. they're a, they're a unit, but at the same time they've always got time to say hello to you, and yeah. always comment on something you're wearing. Or what an experience, man! I'll oh, always be grateful. Just and he's just the most down to earth guy, right? He's done everything: just yeah. headline Glastonbury, headline Reading, Leeds. You know all of this. George Holland has played it how many times? And he was just so down to earth, and he just liked to talk to you about the chippy that was down the road and the things yeah. like that. Yeah. It's, it's, still
0: baffles me all of it still baffles me <laughs> Ah, what an episode what a look back so just so you know we've just heard some clips from Tommy Smith Rhianne Downey Andrew Cushing Chaz Yankle from Ian Joy and the Blockheads Miles Hunt Neil Argreaves Joe Cornell from Melbourne. Uh, the Mercians this week. So again, next week we've got an amazing uh, compilation for you as well. Next week, something to look forward to. So I really hope you're having a lovely Christmas. Uh, it's all about New Year now and moving forward to this strange week in between Christmas and New Year, isn't it? Uh, I'm off work, so I'll, I'll just be planning ahead for RGM in the New Year, I think, and having some booze and drinking. Yeah, drinking beer too early, eating lots of chocolate try and get it Jim in between just to try and um, be good and yeah we'll see you again in a week or so the new compilation for the new year and from the bottom of my heart I wish you a happy, Merry Christmas and I hope it's brilliant for you and your family really do thanks guys I've been calling Maloney that guy from RGM toodaloo Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.